The scripture today is on the front of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. Ezekiel 2, 1 through 5. He said to me, O mortal, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. And he spoke to me, a spirit entered into me and set me on my feet. I hear him speaking to me. He said to me, Mortal, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants were impudent and stubborn. I am sending you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are rebellious house. They shall know that they have been a, a, there has been a prophet among them. And from 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. It is necessary to boast. Nothing is to be gained by it. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a person in Christ who, four, who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. This was caught up in a paradise and heard things that are not to be told, that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth but refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Good morning. I am really honored to be here. Um, Steve has become a really close friend, um, especially through lay servant ministry. So there's my commercial to you. You don't have to be on any kind of a path to take a class. You just have to be interested. Um, and the class that he taught was worshiping with those with dementia. Here I am, Lord. Yeah, right? Um, and he did such a phenomenal job, and there were so many people that were interested in it. We have trained the trainer that the whole state of South Carolina um, hosts in Trenholm in Columbia in August. And the guy who arranges all of that called couple of months ago and said, you know that guy that taught for you the class on dementia, would he teach for us? So Steve's going to go with me to Columbia and teach it again. Um, yeah, um, he's a phenomenal teacher and a, and a very dear friend. So, um, And I, when, when he first called and asked if I would do this, I said, okay, 
since it's 4th of July kind of thing, do I need to be patriotic? And he said, you can be anything you want. <laughs> that's scary. Those of you who don't know me, that's scary. <laughs> so what I did was look for something that would fit both categories. So here we go, hanging by a thread. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was signed first by John Hancock, and we still honor John Hancock when we say, here, put your tongue Hancock right here. Now, if somebody says to you, put your Josiah Bartlett on there, you're going to look at him and go, hey, what? No, I wouldn't. He's my ancestor. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, look at you. Oh, you got history sitting here. Because he was the second one that signed. Yes. Yeah. Whoa. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that was an exciting day, a day of joy and celebration. But what followed was anything but simple, joyful, or easy. You see, every Independence Day, our mind goes with fireworks and barbecue and the lake and wow, how lucky we are. But actually, we need to go back to December 1776. Because history at that point shows us how brittle and fragile the hope of independence really was. George Washington was commanding an army that was disintegrating before his very eyes. It looked as if all hope of victory was gone. He'd made a military blunder in New York, lost it to the British Army. Congress left Philadelphia because the city was lost. The Continental Army was low on gunpowder, on guns, on clothes, on food, supplies. The civilians had celebrated July 4th, 5th, 6th, and now they're wondering if it would be wise to just give up. You know, most of the soldiers' enlistment was dawn December 31st. So we're looking from Christmas Day to December 31st. That's not much time. They're, they're done. Well, some people didn't even want to wait that long. They just left. They deserted. George Washington's army was about to be destroyed by the British and the Hessians, the mercenaries that came from Germany and fought with them. The future of America was hanging by a thread. Which makes the events of Christmas Day, 1776, even more amazing. So Washington led his troops across the Delaware River with incredible odds. Hail, sleet, ice flows, 
It was horrendous. The operation took longer than was originally thought. Two of the generals refused to show up and help because the weather was too terrible and they were not going out in it. But he led his troops that nine miles on a march and defeated the better trained, better equipped Hessians and turned the war around. An almost impossible mission completed, seemingly an undefeated enemy defeated. The future hung by a thread. The thread was all it took. You know, that's our history as an American. And we ought to cherish that, and we should be grateful for that, and we are. But as for us, we have a richer and a more amazing history as a Christian. We have the gift of the Bible. We can read it and see our past, our present, our future in this God-inspired book. We can look at history of people as faith, and we can see how time and time again our history looks like it's being held by a thread. But that thread is enough for God to sustain his people. So I'm going to look back and inspire us to trust God trust his provision, trust his grace as we look into the future and the times when our future right now seems vulnerable, it seems fragile, it seems like it's in danger. We are more divided now than I think we have ever been in our modern history. So, Let's start with Ezekiel. He did his ministry in some really challenging times, to say the very least. He received his commission at a time when the people of God were being exiled for 70 years, tossed out of their promised land, sent to an oppressor's country where they could be treated as dirt. God hoping that would change their mind. But they're dealing with false prophets, with all kinds of false hopes, and that's what they're following. Didn't change their mind. So God commissioned Ezekiel, one of the few people who made up that thread, so who were those faithful people of God? Fallible, ordinary, sinful people on whose shoulders the rest of the future of faith and the faithful stood. And to be honest, the commissioning isn't exactly hope-inspiring. So God says to Ezekiel, son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They have said that their fathers um, have transgressed against me, even to this day. And I'm sending you to them 
And when you get there, say to them, the Lord God says. And whether they hear you or whether they refuse to hear you, because they are a rebellious house, they will know that there is a prophet among them. So what God is asking Ezekiel to do is impossible. Ezekiel knows it. God knows it. But God will provide. And that which God commissions, he will make happen. Some listened, some didn't. But 70 years later, those people returned to Jerusalem to rebuild their city, rebuild their temple, and rebuild their spiritual lives. All with the help of a God who never gave up on them. The future hung by a thread. But God only needed that little thread. Okay. So now let's go to the New Testament, and let's look at Mark 6, 7 through 12. It's going to take us down another funnel of story of faith. So this is at a time when the future of God's love story for his people rested on the shoulders of a few ordinary people again. In the first part of that, it talks about Jesus being in his homeland and everybody saying, you know, so the Son of God is standing in front of them, and they don't even recognize him. They are disowning him. Oh, he's just that carpenter. Mark says that even Jesus said, I cannot believe this. Truly a disheartening reading. So... With that fresh in their minds, Jesus says to them in Mark, he called the 12, he sent them out in pairs. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. He instructed them to take nothing on their journey except a walking stick, no bread, no bags, no money in their belts. He told them to wear their sandals, but do not put on two shirts. He said, when at whatever house you enter, remain there until you leave. And if that place does not welcome you or listen to you, as you leave, shake the dust off your feet as a witness against them. So here, Jesus is commissioning these guys to go out and reach the whole Galilean countryside. No hotel reservation, no calling ahead, no money, no food, no bag, no extra clothes. Are you kidding me? The future of the church and the faith rested not in an army, not with Many people, but a little group of 12 men being sent two by two to share the message of grace and mercy. It was an impossible task. They knew it, and God knew it. But God made it possible, and he made it work. 
So they, they went out and they proclaimed that people should repent. They cast out demons. They anointed the sick with oil. They healed people. Talk about an impossible task, fighting a battle for freedom with poor odds of winning. But they won. The whole future of faith rests on a thread in the hands of fishermen sent two by two. Men who struggled with sin, unbelief, faith. The future hung on a thread, but that thread was all God needed. And at last, we come to the time when Christ has been ascended into heaven, and Paul is talking to the people at Corinth. That's a church that's struggling for its own identity in one of the notoriously most sinful, gosh awful cities in history, Corinth. The church is divided into fighting factions. It's riddled with sexual immorality, with lawsuits, false doctrines, false teachers, junk. And yet, God does not abandon them. The truth of God's grace continues to be proclaimed. People continue to be fed with the body and the blood of Jesus at the altar. People continue to be baptized. They continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how the song of the church, faith, it goes on in the midst of challenging times. The Lord is leaning heavily on Paul and he's asking him to guide the church and others. So Paul is one of those ordinary people. He struggled with his past. He struggled with temptations and sin. He struggled with frustration and hardship, things that we can only read and imagine. And to top all of that, he had one struggle that literally never left his side. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Paul begged the Lord to remove it, to relieve him from his suffering three times. He pleaded with the Lord about that. Please, Lord, take it from me. How could God expect to use a man to a task that they both knew was impossible and this thing in his side getting in his way? And Paul kept saying that to him, and God answered him, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So again, the future of faith is hung by a thread, but God's grace is enough to sustain it. It did. It does. So Paul's answer to God was, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. So, okay, that's our history. 
and our future as God's people, right? But if we go back to the very beginning of that book, if we go back to the Garden of Eden and we read it all the way through to the last sentence in Revelation, we can see our history and our future all wrapped up in grace and the provisions of God. We see that God time and time again has shown his strength and his power in the middle of human frailty and weakness. We don't have to look all the way back into history of the world. We see it in ourselves, our own history, to see how God is and how powerful he is in the midst of our weakness and our failures. We have been every bit as rebellious as those people in Ezekiel's day. We have rejected God every bit as much as those people in Jesus's hometown. We have struggled as a church. We are struggling as a church and as God's people, just like the people in Corinth. We have prayed for God to remove the suffering from our lives rather than wanting to see how he's going to use it, like Paul did. We have sinned. We have a list of failures that haunt our memories. We have disappointed God more times than we want to count. And at times, it seems that our future with God doesn't hang by a thread. It's hopeless. It's irreparably lost. Give it up. But we hear these words from Paul who says, my grace is sufficient for you. And we realize that our faith never hangs by a thread but that our faith is rooted in a God who hung on the cross, a God who has accomplished the unthinkable, a God who did for us what was impossible for us to do on our own. Our future, our story is rooted in the forgiveness that Jesus brought for us with his own blood and his own life. Our faith is forever connected to a tomb that's empty, and a man, a savior, who was found alive. There are not threads when it comes to Jesus's relationship with you. There is nothing but a solid rock of grace, the unmovable mountain of forgiveness, the living mercy of the ocean, all given to you freely. So think about that for freedom tomorrow. We have been given a gift of faith that has passed down to us, and by God's grace, it rests in our hands. We have also inherited the struggle, the task of living out our faith and proclaiming our faith in the midst of a rebellious people that didn't die in Ezekiel's time. The faith story has been told time and time again, or we wouldn't be sitting here listening to these words. And at times, it's tempting to give up hope, 
to be like those people in Washington's time and say, ain't no way. Let's just give it up, leave the battle, walk away. But I pray God reminds us over and over again that he has never given up on us, that we have more than a brilliant general and a founder of this country to rely on. We have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We have the Father of all creation as our Father. And no matter how improbable the future seems, God will pull us through and sustain us in the fight until a day when he calls us home to our special homeland, a place with no tears, no struggle, no pain, no sin, no doubt. But until that day, shake the dust off your sandals and let the refrain echo in your ears no matter what the odds the grace is sufficient for you and we shall have freedom at all costs because it sustains us my grace is sufficient for you amen and amen Yeah.